Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. All right, thank you, Marie, and thank you, everybody, for joining us on today's podcast. Wow, Rick, this is episode 164. We're so, having fun. Oh, we are. Season 4, 164. I mean, I don't know. I just like the way it rolls off the top there. Yeah. But anyway. Well, and we do appreciate our listeners out there. Thank you for being faithful. Yes. And we would love it if you would not only like it, but share it with a friend. Yes, yes. Share it. Share it so that they can find out more about the Jordan River Rules. Speaking of Jordan River Rules, Rick, I find it interesting that in this brand new series that you're doing, that uh, the author Robert J. Morgan he wrote about um, he wrote about this this going into crossing this river. It's a metaphor because um, he was going through a tremendous tragedy when he was writing this. Can you remind our listeners what it is and why that's so important? Yeah, his uh, his wife Katrina had suffered with MS for well over a quarter of a century. In the latter years, she was confined to a wheelchair, and so um, it was a. It had been a long, long journey, and so in between the writing of the Red Sea Rules and the Jordan River Rules, uh, Katrina passed away. So, mm-hmm. the, for those who are reading the book, he will make reference at a couple of points in the book about his wife's death, and just what hit me is. Here, this book is all about moving forward. And so Robert Morgan, he had to learn how. He had to learn how to move on, to move forward. Because in many ways, though his wife was the one confined to the wheelchair, he was confined to her. It's true. Because he was the primary caregiver and did a a beautiful God-honoring job at taking care of his wife. That, That for better or worse that we say at our wedding, yeah, uh, he fulfilled that vow. And so uh, the, the beautiful thing is Robert is not only learning how to move forward, but he is in the Jordan River rules teaching us how. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, as I thought about this, these rules aren't just simply Bible study insights that a talented teacher picked up on. I mean, they're, they're, they're important to our own discipleship. Um, what are the profound practical benefits that we can glean from these things? Well, we all experience tragedy. Yeah. We live in a fallen world, and we have to understand that living in a fallen world, uh, things are not always going to work out beautifully. Yeah. And may, maybe you have never had to endure what Robert Morgan and his wife Katrina have had to go through. But, well, I would say if you haven't, take good notes. Yeah. Keep a copy of the book close by because we never know what's around the next corner. That's right. And there's difficulty and tragedy. And uh, you're exactly right. I I love the fact that Robert is writing this book to help explain the reason why. We all need some explanation of why. Why suffering? Why tragedy? Why difficulty? And the good news is if people will take the time... The, the Bible actually provides an answer to the why question. Yeah. And I believe of all the world religions, the Bible gives the accurate one. Right. The, the most beneficial, helpful one. 
But you have to take time and study Scripture. Yeah. And Scripture does give us an answer to why is there suffering? Why is there tragedy in the world? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's not like you have to dig so deep, you know, and, and do, go to seminary. It's not, you don't have to do that at all, do you? I mean... If you can read the first three chapters of Genesis, <laughs> you get the introduction to the problem. Right, right. And uh, so I'm so grateful. Um, and we're going to get into this about why we need to know these practical benefits. So anyway, all of us, we face these discouraging circumstances. And Morgan wrote that the Bible has nothing good to say about discouragement. Uh, you know, I think about Katrina's own multiple sclerosis, right? Yes. Uh, or... We hear about, oh, just the tragedies, Rick, that, that our friends here at Grace have had to go through. The, the death of children, death of spouses, accidents, um, uh, debilitating illnesses, chronic, Ill, chronic and debilitating illnesses. Um, but he said, like dishonesty or immorality, discouragement is a wrong choice. It's a sin. You know, my, my small group... And I, we had a debate about this. You know, how, how can we help from feeling discouraged, Rick? Well, th th that's a great question. And one thing that has helped me that I learned years ago, and I, I believe this is true. Some people may disagree. Mm -hmm. But I learned that, that feelings are neither good nor bad. Mm. Feelings are just there. What matters is how we respond mm. to our feelings. And that's what Robert Morgan is getting into when you really dig into the the book, the, the Jordan River Rules. Do we allow our feelings to end up controlling our actions? Right. And there's the difficulty. I believe feelings are, are neutral, but but feelings can become a temptation. Yeah. And if we don't respond in a godly way to those feelings, for example... You know, let's say I have a feeling of anger. Uh -huh. Okay, what am I going to do with that anger? Okay, if I'm angry at my next door neighbor, something he did, okay, that feeling is neither good nor bad. It's just there. Yeah. I can't deny it. But if I respond to it by going over and punching him in the nose, ah. then I've allowed my feeling, which is neutral, to become a temptation to become a sin. Oh, wow. Okay, so... And discouragement, Sean, can be the same way. Uh -huh. if, if I'm discouraged, that's just a feeling. Mm -hmm. But if I don't deal with that in a good, healthy way, that, that feeling of discouragement can become a temptation to fall into despair, yeah. and to become a bitter person, an angry person. Well, then, I cross the line into sin. Right. Okay, so... It's one thing to feel anger, but it's another thing to let it um, uh, become bitterness, to let it morph or, or, or settle into bitterness. It's one thing to, to maybe feel a sense of discouragement, of frustration or disappointment, but another to allow myself to say, oh, the world is never going to be right. God hates me. You know, there is no God, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, when I allow that to cause me to walk away from God and to not have faith in God, well, we know that without faith it's a sin so why does it become a sin at that point well to me it, what you're basically saying is <clears throat> God cannot handle this oh God's not big enough God's not strong enough mm -hmm. or uh, God doesn't love me obviously God doesn't care about me or he would not have allowed this to happen and that's where this discouragement can become corrosive very corrosive to our faith yeah, And that's the danger. If we stay discouraged 
and it can just lead us into this. When you think about what you know, Christ says, "Abide in me." Uh huh. Well, if I abide in my discouragement, then I'm abiding in the wrong place, right? And it's going to lead me to make bad decisions, right? So obviously, for a disciple, that's it's inappropriate. Absolutely, yeah. Especially Absolutely. when he commanded, "You you must abide in me. You must remain in me." I'm forgetting two things, folks. Um, I'm or Rick that that. Folks, we, we are going through a book called The Jordan River Rules. It is by Robert J. Morgan. Uh, I'll, I'll include a link. Actually, just look at the link that, that's in the description of this podcast, and you'll, you'll see roswellgrace.com, Jordan River, and, uh, and also where you can find Rick's messages, which I hope that you've listened to the message. If I were you, I'd put the pause on right now and go to the link and watch Rick's message because the rest of this may not make much sense. But, <laughs> but anyway, what, what I see is... the that is is kind of an a, an antidote. I don't know if it's, that's the right way to put it, but that uh, God's God's command for us be strong is like an antidote. You know, Rick, we're the thing that that I have a problem, not a problem, but but I have a question about is that you know if we're at our lowest energy point where we're so discouraged, it doesn't seem to make sense to be strong. I mean, isn't that like saying to a person with the flu, "Be well"? Yeah, I can see how you would kind of let your mind go there. But actually, when you when you read those commands of God to be strong, it, it really depends on the source of your strength. Mm. God is never saying to us, and he didn't say to Joshua, okay, Joshua, you know, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and in your own strength, lead these two million people across the Jordan River into the promised land. Now, if you read the context... He's really saying, depend on me. Mm. I'm your source of strength. And and faith truly depends on the strength that God provides. Years ago, we uh, we actually had Robert Morgan as a guest speaker here at Grace. And before he left, he, he gave me a wonderful book it, and it, he, that he wrote. And it's called The Strength You Need. Hmm. And what he did, Sean, he did a study of... Every time in the Bible, the word strength is used. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many times. Well, he and his wife selected 12 of those, he called them strength passages. Mm. He, he selected 12 of those strength passages, wrote a chapter on each one. It's a marvelous book. And But the theme of the entire book is, if you're trying to be strong in and of yourself, you're going to be too weak to handle life. Right. But if you will put your faith and hope and and focus on God being your strength, you will be able to endure. Mm. And as he and Katrina were going through this debilitating disease that she had, and it was it was it wasn't getting better. It was just progressively getting right. worse every year. It was these twelve passages that gave them strength. And the reason he wrote the book is the strength we have received from God. I want other people to be able to learn and tap into that same source of strength. Wow, marvelous. You, what I think, when, when you were talking about that, well, two things come to mind. Uh, first of all, because I guess Robert Morgan, he's from, he's from the, the, the southeast, right? So yeah, yeah. Nashville area. Nashville. So when he would say strength, he would say strength. 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 <laughs> I thought as a Midwesterner and now as a Southwesterner, I, I thought that's interesting. No, but, but what I thought was interesting about what you just said 
uh, what came to mind was Jesus' own word to us, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah. I will give. Yes. Uh, you won't find it in yourself. No, no, it's going to be an outside source. I will give you rest. Yeah, t- and, and then he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So we're, we're not, and, and this was the point in your message, was that we have the presence of God, learn to deter, or learn to depend upon the presence of God, uh, and I thought, oh, that's a what a wonderful tie-in to know that every step of the way that that his wife went through MS, even to the point of her last breath, Jesus was right there with her, um, and whoever's listening, Jesus is right there with you in the struggle that you. That yeah, you Joshua have. chapter one is one of the first, if not the first, reference to. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now that promise pops up several times through scripture, all the way, I believe, Hebrews 11 or Hebrews 10, 11, somewhere in there, it pops up again, maybe 12. But uh, one of the first times, I will never leave you or forsake you. Wow. It it occurred to me, Rick, that that the Almighty God, the Almighty Omnipotent God is giving a promise which we, I guess we, we kind of take that for granted, but God's under no compulsion. He doesn't have to give anybody a promise. Uh, and he doesn't have to, have to explain why either. Uh, but yet he still does it. And he says to us, I will never leave you. He is, he is almost, I don't know, um, obligating himself in a way to, to us. Now, we might say, well, he's God. He can do that. But yeah, he didn't Precisely. have to, he didn't have to make that promise. Yeah, but once he made it, he's got to keep it. Yeah, because his character now depends on him keeping that promise. Two things come to mind: just the the wonderful love of God, but then also when if we think that we're not of much esteem, we have another thing coming. We are of great powerful esteem, and and that makes me think of the other thing, and and that is, you know, why is trusting God's promises so important? Uh, for people to do well when, when first of all when you start with the passage we're looking at in Joshua 1 God is speaking to Joshua and he he is reminding Joshua of the land promise yeah, he's saying yeah. Joshua listen I gave this promise way back to Abraham Genesis <laughs> chapter 12 and I repeated it to to Jacob and Isaac and Joseph and all the way through and now now, Joshua, hundreds of years later, we're ready. We're, I'm ready to, to fulfill that promise. I mean, what a moment. Yeah. That, and we have to remember, God is not controlled by time and space like yeah. we are. Yeah. And so, you know, a thousand years is like a what, second, <clears throat> a moment. Second, yeah. It's the flash <laughs> for God. So God is going, yeah, you know, the other day I made this promise to Abraham, and you know, yeah, I'm ready to fulfill it. God never makes a promise. It would violate his character. Yeah. That's what people have to understand. When you have a perfect God, perfect holiness, perfect righteousness, he could never in a million years not keep a promise. Yeah. So when you go through Scripture and, you, and, and look at the promises of God, every time you see one, it's either been fulfilled or it will be. Yeah, yeah. There's no other option. Wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Okay, now we've got to go back to your message here. Rick, you opened up uh, in Joshua 1, nine, where it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. First question, why did God ask a rhetorical question? I just thought it was 
kind of funny. I mean, uh, well, maybe it wasn't rhetorical. I don't know. Yeah, uh, here's a fun study sometime. Go through Scripture and look at every time God asks a question. Now, every time God asks a question, he already knows the answer. Of course, yeah. You know, he already knows the answer. In this situation, he just wanted Joshua to remember the answer. Yeah. You know, have I not have I not said this? Have I not promised this to you? You know, really when you go through scripture, it's fascinating. You can't get through the first few chapters of Genesis. Adam and Eve sin. What does God say? Adam, what have, what you, have done? you done? You don't think God knew? <laughs> he wanted Adam to say it. Yeah. Eve, what have you done? Uh-huh. Wanted Eve to say it. When wow. when uh, when uh, Samuel confronts King Saul, yeah. you know, Saul gets ahead of God and he offers the sacrifice, yeah. which was a violation. Yes. Samuel comes and he says, Saul, what have you done? You don't think Samuel knew? Samuel knew exactly. That's right. He was God's prophet. Yeah. And so here again, God is asking this question, not because God is needing the answer. He wants Joshua to be able to remember and and to, to answer the question. There's something about saying it out loud yeah. that can make a huge impact. I think that human beings, we, we are unique uh, from, well, obviously, but we, we're unique. Um, I chuckle at that because you know there is a natural world that says that, no, we're no different. We're just basically naked ape, and that's not true. Not true. Not true. <laughs> and so, but we're unique in that we're the ones that uh, can process interrogatives. We can ask, it is important, ask ourselves, revealing questions uh, that reveal motive, that reveal priorities, that reveal intention. Um, Okay, here's another question. So, is doubting God's promise, is it a sin against his character? Yeah, again, I would go back to our early conversation. The, The feeling of doubt is neither good nor bad. It's just a feeling. Yeah. But the key is, what do you do with that feeling of doubt? Uh, do you let it control you? Do mm-hmm. you let it consume you? Do you, do you re- reside in that doubt? Yeah. Uh, do, you let, do you let that doubt cause you to make sinful decisions? And is your, is, is your behavior coming out of that feeling of doubt? So again, we all have doubts. Right. We all have moments of doubt. What do you do with it? What do you do with that feeling of doubt? Do you... Take it to Jesus Christ because you're abiding in him and you Uh say, Jesus, man, I'm really having a doubt about this. I'm struggling with this. Or do you let that doubt fester in the dark? Yeah. And that's the danger. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Last question for this, that that, just that opening section, because he said, don't be terrified. God says, don't be terrified. How do we push past our feelings of terror? I don't want to make this sound oversimplified, Sean. But the scripture gives some great advice here. Number one, prayer. Mm. You know, when you're feeling fear and terror, pray. And I would encourage people to pray out loud. Uh Again, sometimes just saying it out loud, you get it out in the open. You get it out in the light. Uh So pray. Uh, Another thing, read scripture. (laughs) When you read scripture, it gives perspective. When, When you read the story of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joshua, when you read, you go, Wow, my problem isn't so big after all. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, my problem is big, but they, they had a big problem and God got them through. It just, it just gives you a historical perspective on, on yourself. Sometimes we put blinders on and we, we just see a couple of inches in front of our face. 
there's something about Scripture that broadens that perspective. And I'll give one more, Sean. And again, this sounds simple, but fellowship. Fellowship. Oh. When you are feeling afraid and terror, share it with a Christian brother or sister. Yeah. In a, remember, fellowship is two fellows in a ship. <laughs> we're in the ship. We're in the. We're all in this boat together. Yeah. And there's something about sharing. Man, I'm afraid or I'm terrified about this, and somebody else can say, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I, yeah. I've had that same feeling, but God got me through. Yeah. That's where encouragement can solve the problem of discouragement. Those are fantastic things, and uh, I was th- I was just thinking about that. Um, what you just said, you know, two fellows in a ship, and, s- and sometimes it's just it's great. Because I, I, it's weird. I mean, I've known the Lord a long time, but I will still, if I come against something scary or frightening, I'll keep it to myself. And I'm, later on, I think, why didn't I just pray about it? And uh, I, it's so much better if I just turn it into a prayer. Uh, what, what have we said before? Uh, it, when you name it, you can tame it. And so what you just said, speak it out loud and make it a prayer. And uh, when I say it to another brother like you or to somebody in my small group, um, then I'm able to, to say, or they're able to say, yeah, me too, but let's just keep rowing. Yeah. <laughs> let's well, get this. One thing we're learning here at Grace and all of our recovery ministries, whether it's Celebrate Recovery, Hope for Mental Health, Divorce Care, Grief Share, mm. you know, Cancer with Grace, on and on, all the, is people have all these feelings and they think, I'm the only one who is feeling this way. Uh-huh. And when you get in a circle and you, you hear other people say, here's how I'm feeling. You uh-huh. go, oh my goodness, I thought I was the only one. Uh-huh. And that's where fellowship really, it kind of levels the playing field. And it's like, oh, we're all in this together yeah. and we can make it out together. Yeah. yeah. You then discussed uh, Joshua 1, 7 through 8, where he said, be strong and very courageous. And so he, and he said, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn to the right or to the left that you may be successful, and don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. I mean, you, you, said, you said this in order to, uh, I think, procure, right, God's protection, that we need to know to obey and share God's word. I mean, outside of the fact that it's commanded, what might happen if we only do just two of those things? <laughs> Uh, I would say you will experience partial obedience. Ooh, um, which is yeah. full-time failure. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Uh, yeah, and I, as I thought about those words, uh, uh, from God to Joshua, you got to know the word, and then I want you to obey the word, and then share it. It's yeah. always on your lips. So I thought of the Great Commission. Remember oh. what Jesus said at the Great Commission, you know, it, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then what does it say? Teaching them to obey, obey everything I have commanded, commanded you. <laughs> now think. Now, which of those of those three are important? Uh, you know, that we teach and obey and that we know the commands that we need to teach. Which one is the most important? If What if we... Uh, if we uh, Obey everything God commanded it, but we never teach anybody else. Oh, boy. All three are essential. I mean, this is a great triad yes. of protection. And it would be like an, an army saying, you know, we really need to protect ourselves on all sides, but we're, we're not going to, we're, we're going to remove the rear guard. 
why would you want to remove the rear guard? Yeah. Because the enemy can come in from the backside. That's right. So here, we really need all three working together. And it's working, those three working in tandem is what provides the protection that we need. Wow. Wow. Okay. So the last thing you mentioned was kind of an aha moment uh, for all of us. Uh, and folks, you, you really need to watch the message if you, ha- if you weren't there. But um, this is a, a very important message to grace, wasn't it? Well, it was. Uh, and I mentioned at the end of the sermon that this was actually the second sermon I preached on March fifteenth, 1998. Oh, my goodness. A group of us were gathering to consider whether or not to plant a new church. And we uh-huh. were praying, we were discussing. And of course, God led us to plant grace. And Sean, I've got to tell you, we're almost 25 years old. We have experienced God's promise, His presence, and His protection every step of the way. Yeah, It's really amazing. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of jokingly said, you know, I apologize to all those people who were there for repeating myself. Well, I had one of our charter members say, you know, I remember I, I'd heard that sermon somewhere before. I just couldn't remember where. <laughs> but it, what, you know, as I look, I'm going, oh my goodness, what, what I preached from the Word of God, the truth of the Word, yeah. 25 years ago, God has fulfilled every single promise. My goodness. Did you ever think, I mean, 25 years ago, when you were preaching this message, that this is where we'd be? Oh, I had no idea. I didn't know that I would be here. Yeah. You know? So, because none of us did. And we were yeah. very open and honest about it. And, and you know, we were really seeking God. God, if you don't want us to plant another church, we don't want to plant another church. It, because it'll fail. Right. And so, yeah, I was had my resume, getting uh, preparing my resume, getting ready to say, well, maybe God's leading me somewhere else. Yeah. But then every step along the way, um, God confirmed. You know, in, in my book, Living Your Dash, I tell the story a little bit at the end of each chapter of those early days. Yeah. And just how God confirmed and confirmed and confirmed every step along the way as we made the decision. Yeah, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And Mike, I'm so glad I'm so glad I did. Yeah. And I'm so glad we did because yeah. it was a joint decision. No way I could have pulled it off. Uh, I'm not that smart. I'm, <laughs> I'm not that good and none of us are. And it, it, it really is. When I drive into this property, I just go, boy, there's a God thing. Amen. I am driving my car on a God thing. I am so grateful for your faith and the faith of those that were gathered in that living room and later on at, where, where were you guys at? The Sally Port? Yeah, Sally Port Inn, <laughs> you know, is a hotel here in town. And they had a nice big size ballroom. And yeah. we, we got 200 people in there. Wow. So th- this sermon, uh, the second week was delivered and there were about 200 people who wow. showed up. Had no idea. Yeah. No idea we would have that many. What can God do with 200 people? Oh, my goodness. Well, he, he changed the world with 12. Yeah. So. <laughs> and the best is yet to come. I think I think I know you would say that. Absolutely. So. All right. Um, wow, Rick. I, do you hear that? I hear it. It's, it's the music. It's time for Rick's Quote of the Week. Okay. What you got for us today? Well, I've got a quote from a guy. Maybe you've heard of a guy named Albert Einstein. Ah, hmm. Albert Einstein, pretty sharp dude. But I, I, I'm you know, thinking about 
you know, go, just going through difficulty and and how do you go f- work through discouragement to strength? Albert Einstein said, in the middle of the difficulty lies opportunity. Hmm. It's, Sean, it's difficult when you're in the middle of the difficulty to see through the eyes of faith, ah, here lies an opportunity. Yeah. But it's true. It is true. Mm, wow, that's amazing. Love that. Love that. Okay, Rick, what else is going on here at Grace? Well, this Sunday, we are moving on. We're moving forward in our Jordan River Rule study. This week, we're going to be looking at rule number three. And rule number three is step up to the moment. Mm. This this whole section and rule number three is all about decision making. So if you're out there and you you, you have trouble making decisions Maybe you procrastinate, Mm -hmm. or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum. You make rash decisions. Mm. This Sunday is going to be good for you. How do you find that balance of moving forward, but not moving too fast, not moving too slow? Mm. How do you make wise, godly decisions? We're going to talk about that. Hey, one other word just to the men. If you get the word in time in listening to this, this Saturday, January the 28th, we're going to have a men's breakfast. Ooh. We're going to meet down and cook it up good down in our children's building. Uh-huh. But anybody, everybody, if you're a man, come on. Eight o'clock, we'd love to have you. All right. No women allowed. Huh? No women allowed. All right. We don't sure. want no smelly girls. Okay, Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at rosalgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to rosalgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.